So a little bit of good news. Um, Denton uh, is, is, is doing better, getting better. Uh, he's been released from physical therapy. And those of you that are wondering if, uh, if how well he's doing, well, he just informed me a while ago. Uh, he's the one who told me to wear this pink tie with this blue shirt. And he just informed me a while ago that I look like a giant Easter egg. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I love him. Uh, I do. But uh, do what? Okay. Okay. All right. Those of you that are visiting with us today, this is us. Um, we are not one of those churches where you walk in and everything is prim and proper and it's perfect. We're far from that. Um, however, I will tell you that when it comes to the Word of God, we are very serious. And that when it comes to relationships, we are very serious as well. God has blessed this church in so many different ways with so many different people. Truly a absolute joy to be a part. Uh, just uh, if you want to know a little bit about us, my family, we uh, have been here almost 19, November will be 19 years. And uh, what a blessing to be a part of, of this and to see what God has done, uh, just all the, the wonderful works that the Lord is doing here amongst us. And, and we also understand that we have things that we're, we're not good at, things that we have to grow in, things that we have to change and build. And that's all part of the Christian walk. And when you realize that as a church, you're better off. It's, it's when you realize those things that you can grow. Uh, matter of fact, a dying church is a church that thinks it's got it all together. And uh, that is not us. We can assure you we don't have it all together. But one thing we do know is that God is good all the time. And uh, he takes such good care of us. So this morning, we have read up to the point in, in the book of Esther. We have been reading, and we're going forward with it. And, and here we're going to come to chapter 8. Um, we're going to see some major changes take place. The problem is, is that uh, if, if most people don't read past chapter 7. Seriously, like most people read, the, when you read the book of Esther, you're like, well, chapter seven's finished. It's done. Uh, Haman is dead. And I said Haman because I was jumped on last week for calling him the wrong name by some youth. Um, they're like, you know, VeggieTales doesn't lie. And it said Haman the whole time we watched those videos. <laughs> so, um, so I don't want to go against VeggieTales. So today he will be Haman. And uh, wow, these punk kids down here. That Puerto Rican attitude they have. They thought they could just walk up to the preacher and tell them. All right. Y'all need to get in touch with the softer side of your mother instead of your father. I'll tell you that right now. But Haman is dead in chapter 7, and so in our mind, it's over. Can I tell you something? That is the pitfall of most Christians. Once we have a small victory, we think, well, I can relax now. It's done. And what happens is when we relax, that's when Satan really comes to do his work. That's when he comes, he's in attack mode, he is ready because he thinks, or he knows what we're thinking. We're thinking, it's done, I, get, I deserve a rest. I laugh at the culture that we see today, and, and, and I, I laugh and I cry over it at the same time. Do you realize that uh, a work week, up until just a few years ago, it was six days, not five? And it was ten hours at least, not eight. And it was a Sunday, the only day that people would set aside to be with family and to rest. 
And yet we gripe and, and, and fuss about a five-day, 40-hour-a-week job that most people today don't even want. You ask the employers, those who own businesses in this church, and they will tell you it is hard to find anyone that wants to work anymore. And we're seeing that now within our Christian walk. We pay the preacher to do that. We pay the youth pastor to do that. We pay others to do those things. I, I've worked hard at my job. I, there's, some, there's nothing I should have to do at church. Yesterday, after we had breakfast here with the men, um, we had such a, a good time together. It was, again, just a wonderful, wonderful time. And right after that, some men stayed after, and they went out, and they began to work on a deck back here. And, and they, they worked on the deck and on the ramp, and they got it finished. Why? Because they realized something. There was work to be done. Our problem in the Christian walk is we have one major victory and then we relax. And the next thing you know, we're we're back to where we used to be. That's the reason the Christian life is so up and down. We have a victory. Oh, I can celebrate. And in our celebration, we fall. We have to be very careful. There's been a great thing happen. Haman is dead. If you have your Bible, we're not going to read out of Esther at first. We're going to actually read out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, if you have your Bible, turn there. I'm going to give you a chance to turn there, and then you folks know what to do after that. Romans chapter 8, if you're new with us, uh, please stand as we read from God's Word once you have it there. Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, dealing with issues. He comes to this point, and he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Or your Bible might say, who can be against us? Father, we are so thankful this morning that we have your word. We are so thankful, Father, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us that gives us understanding of the word of God. And as believers this morning, we can stand with the assurance that if you are for us, no one can stand against us. No matter what is brought, no matter what hindrances are put before us, Father, you are God. And your will will be done. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the visitors. Thank you, Father, for all that are here. May we walk out of this place understanding that our work in Christ has been finished, but our work as a Christian is never done. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, the good news for us is that the work in Christ has been finished. On the cross, borrowed tomb, rose again, ascended into heaven. But the work for the Christian is constant. It, It never ends. It's always moving And so the title today is that the real work begins. Once we have this this, uh, victory, once we have something in life that is is positive and good, that is not time then to relax. It is not time then to just stop our our work and celebrate. But instead, that is when the, the real work begins. A lot of you understand you've taken over position and the person that was ahead of you was someone who nobody cared for, nobody liked. 
And once that person is removed from that position, a lot of the employees think, whew, finally, he's gone and we can relax. And maybe in your mind, you're thinking, I've taken over for a really horrible person, but now I'm here to replace them so everything will be easier. But the truth is, when you go in and you take over for somebody who hasn't been good, your job is really just beginning. Not only are you a new face, you're a new way of managing things, you're a new way of doing things. You have to bring a positive attitude and you have to bring positive light to other people. One of the the greatest bosses that you can work for is someone who can see the good in you when you cannot. They can see the positive things that you're doing even when you can't. That's the type of boss that the world needs is someone who can actually see the good in others. That's when the real work begins. You, You start building people up. Well, here... Haman is dead, the the evil Haman, the one that the world hated, the one that no one wanted around, the one that was just a horrible man. He's he's one of all the Jews dead. Well, Haman is dead. He has now been hung on his own gallows. The very things that he was wanting to hang the main Jew, Mordecai, upon, here we have Haman. He is now dead. He has been hung on his own gallows there. Now, the thing is this. For most of us, if you've ever read the book of Esther, you don't remember much past chapter 7 because the foe is dead. But folks, if that's all you read, you have missed out on so much. And in your mind, if one victory in your life is good enough and then you stop, that's the reason that you're not any further in your walk with Christ. Every day should be a victory. Every day should be a victory. Now, Because of the work that Esther and Mordecai had done for the people of God and in front of the king of Sarius, what we find is that they are about to be rewarded. So let's look here, and and this is going to be in uh, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, On that day, king of Sarius gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. As was custom, if if your enemy was defeated, you were allowed to go in and you, you took over their home, you took over their wealth, you took over their position. Remember, Haman was the second richest person in all the land. He was the second in command. And all that he has, now that he is dead, has been given to the queen. Now listen to what happens. On that day, King Osiris gave to the queen the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring which he had taken from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Not only did Haman hang on the gallows that he made for Mordecai, but now Mordecai has inherited, has been given all the wealth of this man. Well, with great wealth comes great responsibility. With great responsibility needs to come integrity. A lot of you in this room, you've been put in a position. You've been put in a position of power, of authority. With that comes great integrity. With that, you must lead people to Christ. If you're a business owner, if you're a manager in a company, your number one job is to be a believer in front of your employees. It's not to just pay them on the day that payday comes. Your number one job as a leader, business owner, manager, whatever it is, your number one job.
is to see to it that people know Jesus Christ. Because you can bring someone millions of dollars, but if you don't bring them Christ, in the end, their millions and themselves burn for eternity in hell. <clears throat> Esther and Mordecai have so much to do. I want you to notice what we don't see. It doesn't say after this that Esther and Mordecai rested. It doesn't himself put his stamp of approval on it. Word has gotten out, listen, you are to kill the Jews. So all around the kingdom, all across the, 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 the known country, the known world at this time, the word has been given, kill these Jews. Now, the problem, though, is in our mind as we work here, we're thinking, well, yeah, but Haman's dead. The threat's gone. No, no, no. You don't understand. There's already been letters sent out. Just because Haman is dead does not mean that the work will not move forward. There's more work to be done. So let's read here in verse 3. It says, And Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman, the Agagite, and the plot that, had, that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king, and she said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if, this thi- if the thing seems right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamidatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity of, that is coming to my people? Excuse me, or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? The king of Syria said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. What happens here is that Esther did not rest once she got position. But instead, she used the position. Mordecai used the position to save a people. Some of you at your job, there are people that look up to you. They look up to you because you're different. They look up to you because you don't go and cuss and scream and yell and holler. A lot of you teachers have learned that the worst place that a teacher can find themselves is in the teacher's workroom. Like you have figured this out. Like I do not need to go in that room. A lot of you nurses know I don't need to go to that break room in there because, man, there's no telling what's going to be said. And so you just have figured out, I need to stay to myself. I need to do my thing. I need to be who God has called me to be. I need to be a good teacher. Besides, let me ask you a question. What, is it, what good does it do to gripe about your situation? Honestly, does it really make you feel better? Oh, come on. Let's, let's talk about this for a minute. For a brief moment, it feels really good to just, oh, I can't believe this is this way. Because what happens, those who agree with you do what? They start doing the same thing, and now in your mind, yeah, they should listen to us. But then you realize nothing has changed. All I've done is gripe. Those of you who have found 
that God has put you in a position, that God has put you in a place, and you're called to be different, people are going to look to you, look up to you, seek you out when they're hurting, seek you out when things... Your job and my job is never finished. Someone is always, always watching. These two could have sat down because they were rewarded. They had all they needed. One of the challenges yesterday was that was given to us at the men's breakfast was a challenge of giving. John shared with us that there are certain people that he knows their gift is giving. Their gift is making money. And he said he is blessed at his church that people who can make money give money to the church to be used in a lot of different organizations, a lot of different directions, a lot of different ways. So maybe your gift is not service, and and, and maybe your gift is not uh, teaching, and maybe your gift is not edification, but you have the gift of giving. God has blessed you. You're able to do things that others can't with money, and God says, take that and bless others. Some of you aren't great at making money. But yet God has called you to teach and God has called you to service and God has called you to do all of these things. Whatever God has called you to do, you do it every day, even after you've had one victory. Then you make two victories and three victories and you spend your life seeing God do great things. You never sit still. Esther Mordecai understood something. God has blessed us with wealth. God has blessed us with position. We need to use it to save our people. Folks, I'm telling you, that's exactly what's needed today in our world that we live in. The church needs to understand that God has called you to be a light and an example, something that draws men and women to him. Use your influence. Use your money. Use the things that God has given you and use it for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Some of you don't take this wrong. This is not about adding money to our church. This church is blessed beyond measure. But do you know what we do at, at, at this church? We tithe out of what we're given right here at Pine Island. We send at least 10% of what comes in out the door. Because we understand that our job is never finished. There's not just work to be done here in Pine Island and in Waller County. It's not just to be done around us in the counties that surround us, but it's to be done throughout the world. That's why we have money going to Africa. That's why we have money going to New York. That's why we have money going all around Nicaragua, down to Guatemala. We have money that goes everywhere. Why? Because the job is never finished. And God has blessed his church. Therefore, we are to be responsible and bless others with what we've been given. These two are now wealthy. They don't let their wealth get in the way. They have a job to do. So she goes before the king, and the king does something amazing. Let's look at this. It says, the king's scribes were summoned, verse 9, at that time. In the third month, which is the month of seven, on the 23rd day, an, an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews to the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia. Folks, this is a huge area. 
127 provinces to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language and also to the Jews in their script and in their language. And he wrote in the king's name and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses, the original Pony Express. Is that not cool? They're headed out. They're moving on. It says here they were riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods. And on one day... Throughout all the province of King Assyria, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province being publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service, rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. Here we have a picture. The job is still to work, but then God provides what is needed. You hear me? God provides what is needed. Here, the word has to get out. It's got to get out fast. The king says, use mine. Use my forces. Use my horses. Use all that you can, whatever. Everything is at your fingertips. Do what you must to get it done. I'm telling you that as a pastor, I have watched God over and over and over and over again supply the things that people kept asking me. Well, where are we going to get that from? How are we going to do that? Where do we have the money to pay for that? My favorite part as a pastor is always looking at people who have very little faith when it, others have great faith. And when God wins, I love watching people go, how did that happen? Like some people believed. I always go back to this building back here. Folks, we used to stuff right next door. I don't know if y'all know how small this room is over here. It's a little bitty. We used to stuff well over 100 people over there to eat. Are you talking about close? All right, we would have been known as a COVID spread, okay? Because <laughs> we, were, we were right up next to each other. Over here, we are blessed to have the tables moved out. You can sit and be comfortable. But we just set all these people, and somebody said, we got to build a building. And automatically, the naysayers, y'all know what the naysayers are, right? Nope. You don't know, well, I'm going to help you out, little buddy. <laughs> a naysayer is somebody who says, we can't do that. We don't have the money. Of course, most naysayers have no clue what's really happening at church. That's the only thing they know how to do. Anybody ever met a naysayer? They don't have a clue. All they know is, no, can't do that. No, can't do that. How many of y'all employ a naysayer or two? Right? It's like, oh, my gracious. Would you? I almost said shut up, but I'm not supposed to say that with little kids in the room. So disregard. Did I just say it? Oh, I did. You want to look at those people and say, would you just be quiet? Because you have people in the room that have faith. There are people who believe. And so the day that we actually Voted on the building, and the day that we actually stuck 
the first shovel in the ground. There were a group of deacons and the pastor who put shovels in the ground. I got to announce that day what? Do y'all remember? Paid for. Paid in full. God had put upon the heart of a man and wife to write a check and pay for that building. You understand what God's doing? The people of God needed to be saved. A work had to be done. And God dealt with the heart of the king. And he said, whatever you need, just do it. A lot of what's wrong with us is we don't believe in the work of God. Let me show you what else God can do. God not only can work in the heart of us, but God can work in the heart of all people. Verse 17 says, and in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. A lot of y'all like, be honest, a lot of you like working for the government. Okay, the government workers get a bad name, but y'all get every holiday known to man, Right? The Jews were all about holidays. That was a little bit different than what we think of as a holiday. I'm sure they still had to work. I'm sure there was still stuff they had to do. It says there was a feast and a holiday, and many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on. Do you see what God has done? There were people who had, were not raised Jews, not born Jews, and all of a sudden now they're saying, I want to be a Jew. Why? Because when God works, his work is complete. There was great fear, and many became followers of God because of the fear Napoleon once remarked that God was always on the side of the largest army. And if he was right, these Jews have no chance. But aren't you thankful that God is part of the army? He's the main leader. Chapter 9, verse 1 I want you to turn there and listen to what happens. Remember what we read earlier? We said, what then shall we say to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Chapter 9 brings victory. Esther chapter 9 verse 1 says, Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, that on the thirteenth day when the king's command and edict were to be put into effect, on that day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it turned out to the contrary so that the Jews themselves gained mastery over those who hated them. Why? Because Napoleon was wrong. God is always on the side of those who love him. Size doesn't matter. If God be for us, who can be against us? Some of you are so often just steps from victory. But you've had a a win in a battle, so you're just, well, I'm relaxed. I've won a battle. Folks, it is a war, not a battle. Our Christian walk is a 
war. By the way, the Bible says that in the end, God and those who are on his side win. Watch what God does in chapter 10 as we close. Chapter 10, God honors the faithful. God honors the faithful. King Osiris imposed tax on the land and on the, constant, on the coastlands of the sea. And all the acts of his power and might and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Osiris. He was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers, for he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. Can I tell you why you're here? You're not here for yourself. You are not here for yourself. You are here for the glory of God. You have been put on this earth for the glory of God. Your whole purpose is not to be a better person, not to be a wealthier person. It is to take what God has given you and honor him with it. We struggle because we have made life about us. The church... The church, and and I I don't want this to come across ugly, but so many in the church have a consumer attitude. What can you give me? Folks, the church is about a community coming together that loves God above all things, and they work together. They all jump in together and they all do their part and, 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 and people are saying, what can I do? What else can I do? What can I do next? What else is there? And people are like, but if I do that, I'll get wore out. No, you won't because God will give those who love him strength for the day. If Esther and Mordecai would have just been satisfied with what they were given, the whole Jewish people would have been dead. But hey, who cares? Mordecai and Esther would have been wealthy, rich. When you love God's people, and when you love the Lord above all things, you want to give. I'm going to share this real quick again, something very simple. It it may not mean a whole lot to some of you, but it means the world to me. There are ladies who come to this church on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, about two hours before dinner. The first thing they do is they come in and they ask, is the sanctuary unlocked? We come over, we get the sanctuary unlocked. They flip on the lights and they go row by row, just chair by chair. And they make sure that all the paperwork that's in the back of those chairs is all full, that pens and pencils are in there, that somebody's doing. See, it's little things that nobody thinks about. It's, it's those things that, that people don't think about that are important. 
I have a man who comes up and on Saturday, and, and a lot of times he and his wife come up, they'll, they'll, they'll make sure the flowers out here are, are beautiful on, on this side and they, they, they blow off all the sidewalks so that you don't have to come in and, and wade yourself through leaves and debris. They, they blow all that off. And then he shows back up early on Sunday morning and he unlocks all the gates. I love that. <laughs> Whoever that is. Is that yours? I love it. That's awesome, Jason. I'll get you back after this. Y'all didn't hear what he said, and I'm not going to repeat it. But I, I, I want you to know there is so much. Do you, the kitchen ladies, do you know how much, get this, how many of y'all enjoy the meal on Wednesday night, right? Isn't that awesome? Do you know how much we pay those ladies to do that? Absolutely nothing. That is their gift. It's the gift of service. And they love it. Matter of fact, it blows my mind. If there's a low Wednesday, Donna Bond is depressed. She's like, I only got to cook for 65 people. The rest of her crew is going, thank you, God. It was just 65. Donna's like, can we get 100? Can we get 200? Brother Tom, can we build? She's always after me. Can we build a bigger building? (laughs) Told y'all. But when your heart is a heart of service and you find what you're good at, you don't want to quit. I have watched my wife for years. God, what what are you calling me to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm going to tell you all something. My wife is where she's supposed to be. If you ever want to know how to help your little ones, talk to my wife. That is her gift. Rosemary, she believes and has learned so much from you. You have no idea what all my wife's learned from you. She loves you to pieces. But I have watched these ladies, and I know their boss, and she's like, I don't even worry about down there. <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you know what you're good at, you just go. You don't ask for recognition. You don't ask for any sort of compensation. You just do it because that's the heart that God has given you. There are others in this room who come to my wife every time there's an event with our youth. What can we pay? Are there any kids that cannot afford? How much do you need? Then they keep coming back. Is that enough? Did I give you enough? Why? Because this church understands the only way, the only way to press forward is to never be still. Yes, we're to be still and, and, and listen and know that he is God. I get all that. And I, believe me, I do. But when it comes to the work, there is so, mer- so much work to be done. If you're looking for a place to fit in and to, and to work, keep coming to Pine Island. Find out what we're about. If you're looking for a place that loves the Lord and loves his word, you're going to find it right here at Pine Island. Now, if you're looking for a perfect church, that's going to come when we're all dead and we're with the Lord. And if you're looking for a goofy preacher who apparently picks too much on the youth pastor, you have found the right place. 
But aren't you thankful that God has made us family? Let's stand together. Father, this morning we confess to you that there is still work to be done. And so many, unfortunately, especially as we get older, we kind of think, well, I'm done. Let's let somebody else do it. But those that I spoke of this morning, almost all of them are above the age of 70. And most of them are probably closer to the age of 85. The reality of it is, is that we have so many people giving so much, but there's still so much more work to be done. And I never want to see happen in the church what's happening in our world outside of us, where people are saying, I would rather not work. I'd rather just come and be fed. I find that the best way to be fed is to involve yourself in what's going on. Jump in. Be a part. So, Father, just use us here to glorify you. Those business owners, those managers, those people in position, God, may they they realize that you have given them that not just for money, not just for livelihood. God, you've given it to them because they have a spiritual position. And their responsibility is to bring people to you. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.